Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. When you hear the name Navy Federal Credit Union, you probably think that it's just for the members of the U.S. Navy, but in fact, Navy Federal Credit Union serves all branches of the armed forces. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. My name is Andrew Brockenbush, joined by John Marcus Morgan. How's everybody doing today? Andrew, Man. Cheese Donkey. What's up? Every time he screws up. They call you Cheese Donkey. Call him Cheese Donkey. <laughs> Not sure where the name originated. Somebody else do that in there. I think it was off YouTube one day. <laughs> I don't know where really it came from. I've never forgotten it. <laughs> well, I've got, a, I've got a little icebreaker for you guys. If, you've, if you're lost, do you ask for directions and why or why not? Absolutely not. No. It's guy code. Never. I think it's a man thing. It is. It's part of I guy find code. it. Yeah, you gotta. And if the wife starts to get irritated, we just say, hey, look, we're doing an area recon to make sure that we don't. <laughs> that no one ever was following come. us. Yeah. <laughs> and if I do get lost with the with my wife in the car, it's her fault. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Sometimes I like to throw my wife a bone and say, hey, look, why don't uh, get us there? Just throw that in ways. Kind of, you know, if she ever listens to this, she can be pissed. Yeah, Melanie has. Situationally, I mean, like directionally. Not good. Who, not, who is it? A little challenged. challenged. My wife Leslie. is. Leslie. Leslie just. Oh, she is? Because I mean, Melanie can find her challenged. way anywhere. She can tell you how to get to anything. Thank God we got hooked up together. Like underwater, I'm good. <laughs> but when driven in the city is what messes me up. Like as soon as we get in the cities and I can't see the sky or anything like that, man, it's. Mel's good at it. I don't it. know what you got, Brian. You know, I've always lived near the mountains, so I always know which way is north, east, south, and west. And since I've moved here to Houston, I'm. Uh, Pretty, uh, you know, my azimuth has been thrown off a little it, bit, yeah. but hey, hey, good thing for uh, Google Maps, right? When I was in sucker, when man. I was in Virginia Beach and I lived there for eight, seven, seven and a half, eight years, I had to fire the GPS every time I went on. I left the house because there's a difference between knowing when you're where you're where you're going, your cardinal bearings, and then like how to go to a place. People are like, hey, you need to go visit this guy, you know? Because we we had the maps back when we were kids. Like map, oh, yeah. map. Like a map, map. And Mojo yeah. got, in, and I, we were in a car where this kid was driving us, and we were in this parking lot doing laps because the GPS said, keep, you know, just take a right, take a right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? In Montana? Yeah. That was and, and, one and, of the And the place stories. was like right over there. We could see it. And this kid, not, no, not no, because, it was, was Dudley. 
was doing. <laughs> he broke out that TomTom Tom GPS. Boom, oh, right? yeah. Yeah. came out. And he was, he was like, oh, the hey, Tom you guys got to yeah, see this, that? man. It's yeah. great. It's going to take us where we need to go. This is one of our officers, right? He's <laughs> yeah, like, I was, dry, I was driving. Marcus was driving. I was in the back seat. And here he goes, turn right. Good for Christmas. Turn, right? He's like, just follow this thing. Do, and it do took what us it says. And Marcus is listening to everything it says. It took us behind this building. And you have arrived at your destination. And Marcus literally pulls up on a pile of Bricks. bricks. <laughs> One tied up on the bricks. That had been collapsed oh down. There was no dude. We were building and, and, a, and a pile of bricks, dude. And I drove right up top of that sucker. It says, you arrived to your destination. Turn around and looked at him. I was like, <laughs> Good job, sir. Typical officer. He was like, let me rethink this. Tommy Tom. broke so much out of his bag. Y'all see this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Deadly go. right, man. What a great guy. Tom Tom. Jeez, awesome man. dude, that was man. funny. That was still, hilarious. Forgot still about that. one over his head. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no directions. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about those Tom Tom things. I remember one time we had one that wasn't updated and so the roads were wrong on mm. it or whatever. Yeah, right? Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> What's you, Andrew? I'm directionally challenged hardcore. I don't ask for directions, but I'm glad technology exists. Ways it takes a lot of weight off being a dude, right? Apple Maps, best yeah. friends. Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay, so your your map quest voice is uh, male or female? Uh male. Oh, is it? Mm. You don't notice. I don't oh, know. The only reason I ask is like, do you get mad when when your wife gives you directions? Oh, in Carrick. Oh, okay. Car- so it's a male that you have. Oh, yeah. Directions. <laughs> this is my only point. Yeah, when Carrick comes at me trying to tell me where to go, because she's way more directionally capable than I am, and that frustrates me because it's like I should know that. I don't. No, I don't. I, my 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 direction. I'm the same way. She's um, from Australia. <laughs> Oh, oh, really? Australia, 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 the car really? Oh, yeah, like, just, <laughs> dig it. Turn right, love. Turn right. right. <laughs> what about D.C.? Did you ever figure out how to drive around D.C., or did you need your metro. GPS there, too? Metro. Oh, you took the metro. Metro, no, I'm, I learned the metro system. You did, too, didn't Uber. Uber? Yeah, that's all I did was Uber. Right. Yeah. The metros are clutch. Local yeah, folks, traffic right? jams. Sorry, uh, best invention kind of like that with that Uber deal because that's the local folks. They they can take you where you need to go. Well, get. it was like taxi cab can you know confessions every you know single time that we would get into the uh, Uber, you know there'd be a new story, a a new you Some, know twist. Yeah, yeah. Me and my buddy John, when we were in D.C. Man, we heard so many stories. I mean, I could probably write a book on some of the stories that I heard in D.C. alone in the Uber rides. It was sure. pretty fascinating because <laughs> that's the stuff you remember. Oh yeah, absolutely. We were talking about this the other day, man. It's like what moments look look back in your in your history, right? Which mm-hmm. stories you regurgitate to all the time that, that, that pop in there. Somebody asked me, Oh, tell me something funny. One of the docs called me up. She was we were just kinda of going back and forth. She's like, Man, I've been having a day. Tell me something funny. And I immediately I kinda of was like, I laugh all he and I laugh all the time. Belly laugh. Like I've given myself hernia, we laugh so hard through all of our life. But the minute somebody asked me to tell them something funny, I was like, Who? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know what this is. When we it's tell them, be natural, right? Yeah, when we tell them something funny. That's like, that's the darkest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's funny. Like, I thought it was funny. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, you got to think of some, like, always have one of those. And then ever since then, I've been thinking about what's one like. Think of something that you, if you sit down, no matter who you sit down next to, if you start talking about that story or that thing that's funny, everyone kind of gets a giggle out of it. It's hard. It's hard, man. I don't have one of those right now. I'm at the. I was like cows walk backwards when you're not looking. Is that yeah. what you're kind of something like that, you know? And and but I I don't know. It's, it's funny tough. that you're talking about this because today's icebreaker was supposed to be what is the funniest joke that you know? Like, and I was like, I don't think I could tell a funny joke on the spot. Like, I'd have to like be I'd have to like be prepared to so tell this. So we were joke. eating lunch at or breakfast at Kitty's the other day, and the Colonel and I were sitting down, and uh, he. 
This old boy come walking up and sat down, and he, he started talking about this fellow. He's like, you ever got one of them buddies that every time he sits down, goes, hey, two dudes walking down the street. You know, or something <laughs> like that, right? Oh, yeah, always oh, yeah. the, jo- the joke guy. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you got to have one. Yeah. You know? He's always loaded up with them. Were we missing that dude? I feel like we need that guy. We're missing that guy. Yeah, because I don't know any jokes like that. I'm gonna start just like oh damn, knock knock jokes. I knew we need one more. You think we need one more? (laughs) more. (laughs) Yeah, we get one more. I think we need to start sending in the resumes. That's right. So I mean, if you got one of those, or like start thinking about it, because they're great icebreakers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like use car salesman type of dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they just like pop off, and you're like, "Oh, you that, got, that, all right, you got my attention. All right, let's yeah, talk." The first thing, because it's usually a voice, right? They'll catch your attention, or the swag, or how they deliver themselves. Mm-hmm. You get a dude's armed up with all three of them jokers, man. There's a use. That's the guy you want. It's almost like in the in the in the arena that you guys are in, man. You're, you're good at what you do, like real good at it. There's guys who can bare bones and sit up the outlines, and there's guys who can sell it. And you get one of them guys that, that with with both of that. that. That's that's something, right? That's a weapon for sure. Yeah, society these days trying to beat that comedy out of you. Yeah. <sighs> right? Yeah, careful. Just smack it out of you, I too. I know, right? <laughs> well, eventually they're going to wind up getting to us. That's right. Got, uh, our, our guys. <laughs> mm. Once they intimidate the, all the nurses, teachers, and police officers, and then they keep searching, they're eventually going to get to the dudes like us. So that's going to be a dead end street for yeah, them. That's going to be what's the, uh, what's the What's the... That was it, man. That's it? That was it. Oh, okay. That was a good one. It was a good one. We got a great guest in store today for you guys. Brian Talley is a former sergeant in the United States Marine Corps, was severely injured due to the incompetence of several doctors and ER staff at the VA hospital in Loma Linda, California. His misdiagnosis led to months of neglect and malpractice that eventually nearly cost him his life. He personally made it his mission to close a 74-year-old VA legal loophole and change the law to protect all veterans. Brian, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. It's quite the honor to be here with you, gentlemen. Really looking forward to this one too because you, you've honestly accomplished something. He, he's like, been talking about this. Yeah, I like, mean, like, I, I do talk about a rarity. Man. You hear about what happens to veterans all the time and that they that they, they can't get the care they need and they kind of just bow out gracefully. And Brian literally muscled up enough intestinal fortitude to go to D.C. and snatch some congressional members off the street. And it's like I need your help and, and wouldn't take no for an answer. So welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. That's a great story. A hell of a Marine. Nice work. Thank so, you, Marcus. You're, you're welcome. Moving forward. So we always like to start with a backstory. Give us who, who where'd you come from? Sure. Mom and them. Sure. Know, so I grew up in uh, Southern California, San Diego area. And, uh, oh, good. all right. You know, Coronado area. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, we know that place. Cl- uh, Claremont, you know, southeast uh, San Diego, you know, yeah, Mission man, Bay, PB. When we get on the plane there, it's like a, it's, it's yep. a happy time. I love going there. Everybody's yeah, like, oh, North so Island. Beautiful. I love North Island. Yeah. Yep. It's miserable. It's miserable. <laughs> yeah. It's miserable. For me, it was nice for you guys. Yeah, probably a different story. Oh, uh, definitely God. taught me to hate the beach. <laughs> for, for, it took forever to get beach, over that. cold water, yeah. salt. And they didn't put it in the brochure. You know why everyone in California has got a suntan is because the water's so cold. They don't get in it. <laughs> they just go to the beach. So Great point. Here we go. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, so, you know, I moved to Colorado when I was in high school, so kind of had a 50-50, you know, uh, places where I grew up. I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school, uh, served uh, PCS three times in five years, and when I got out of the Marine Corps, I settled down. I uh, started a family. I've been married now uh, almost 25 years, got four beautiful kids. Uh, A, B, C, and D. Alana, Brady, nice. Colton, and Delaney. You know, Marine, got to do it in order. Very nice. Um, <laughs> that's squared away. I never even put that. That's I thought it to, to yeah, have done yeah, that, but got that's, some, that's uh, some building blocks here on my arm. Uh, you know, even so, better, dude. You know. That's clever. Uh, you Why know, did you come up with that? 
I'm a Marine, man. You know, I got ABCD, right? right? I get it, man. Right. That's a good one. Man, always got to put an acronym around it. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, ABCD. Um, you know, so anyways, you know, I when I got out of the Marine Corps, I started my own business. I was a custom landscaper, um, and, you know, I would do a lot of design build work, uh, and I was just a self-made entrepreneur. And uh, What year? I, what year was this when you got out? Two, uh, well, I got out in, in 99. Okay. I spent a year in the reserves, and then I started my company in 2002. Oh, okay. So I ran my company all the Still way. Still in Colorado? I, uh, when I got out, I spent uh, the next 12 years in Colorado, and then we moved uh, back to the Southern California area in, in uh, 2013. Is that where she's from? No, she's from Denver. Yeah, but we just wanted to. I got tired of the the cold, the snow, the wind, the the driven rain and hail. And I was a custom landscaper, and I was already working at some very nice multi million dollar communities. And I wanted to take all that you know experience I had and bring it back down to Southern California to get into the bigger and, and better yeah. uh, you know uh, neighborhoods as well and work for you know some some pretty self made people. That's different life. Those two different lifestyles. Yeah, Colorado, San Diego. Well, I mean, it's very. Be a lot more enjoyable working. Very outside. similar people. I mean, you got a lot <laughs> the of lifestyle, the, same type. the people. Yeah, the, yeah, but yeah. How, where, where you're at from from a beach community to the mountains. Yeah, was was, yeah. was Jenny all about doing that, or is she kind of reluctant to leave Denver? Oh uh, no, no. I mean, you know, anything that we've you know that we've always done, we've always made as a family, um, and we've always you know, had a great relationship when it comes to communication. And, uh, no, that was great. you know, it was uh, mutual and we, you know, made the best of it. So much easier when they're on board. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Happy wife, happy life. Happy life. So much yeah, easier when they're right. on board. As we peel this onion back on your life too, man, you're, you, we should give your, we should have like a team never quit award that we give spouses after we interview. Oh, that'd that. be cool. Interview people. It's just all, yeah, you automatically get it if <laughs> you're a spouse of one of the guests. So uh, you were out of the core for 12 years when all this started happening? Uh, let's see, uh, it's 2002, 2000. Man, I can't add that fast. Yeah, something like that. Okay. I think, so let's just give a brief overview. So when you when you get out of the military, you you have that right as a veteran to be to sign up to be a part of the VA system, VA healthcare. Right. Correct? Mm-hmm. And, or you don't. You don't have to do that, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to. You can just waive your right to do that, or you take the initiative to do that. So everything's hunky. I mean, because when you got out of the service, you were good. No, 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 no issues to speak of. Not that you knew of. Just besides, you know, what I got from my compensation, you know, from the VA, you know, from my overall rating, right? You know, that I had. But no, I was living the American dream. Uh, you know, like I said, the you know the kids, the wife, you know the business, the home, um, you know, in a very you know very nice part of the country, and you you know everything was going great, you know, until that one. It was a cold, gloomy um, uh, morning in uh, Temecula, California, you know, where I lived, and I uh, couldn't get out of bed. I was in severe pain. Did you go to bed okay, and then woke up? Yeah, this is the craziest thing about the onset of my injury is that when I went to bed, I seemed fine. And then in the middle of the night, I was in severe pain to the point to where it got me. I crawled out of bed and I low crawled to the bathroom where I would lay on the cold tiles trying to find some relief from the pain I was in on my back. Back pain? Correct. Yeah. And, and it would just radiate throughout my whole entire body. Um, pain that 
I can't describe, indescribable pain. And then I couldn't use the restroom. My, my bladder was full. And so my, my belly was in a lot of pain too. And I was trying to, to, to go to the bathroom and, I, and nothing would come out. So just little bits. So I'd get a bucket and I try to pee it a little bit in the bucket. And then, but yeah, anyways, that was the first time that I had ever really discovered like bladder paralysis. I got my black lab sitting next to me, Rocky. And he's like, man, what's going on with you? And I didn't want to wake my wife up. because She was sound asleep, but I was definitely in there moaning and groaning and just trying to find anything, any relief that I could, you know, find. But the crazy thing about it was the, the, the onset set of pain was immediate. What, what year was this? Just to give, so we can keep a timeline going. January of 2016 is when it all started. Because uh, she came in, she eventually came in there, and y'all went to the emergency room. Right that morning. That, that morning, right? Yeah. So that morning, she took me to the VA uh, ER, uh, where I was immediately triaged. And this is in California. Correct. At okay. Loma Linda, I was immediately triaged. Everything was good, right? Um, I had an X-ray. They gave me a shot of Dilaudid, a shot of Kinalog, a shot of Metacarbamol. Wow. I mean, I had the, I, you know, I had <laughs> the, I had the, the cocktail going. And and then they said you're fine. You have a low back sprain. And then I said, hey, look, I don't understand why I have a low back sprain. There, uh, there was no trauma, so it, it wouldn't explain why I have a back sprain. Go home and stretch. You'll be fine in two weeks. Was this blood work or just kind of like a physical? They just no. We went in there and it was just MRIs, CT. No, they just they just looked at you. Right. Okay. Right. Right. They looked at me. Like I said, took the X-ray, and and you're a big. Just everybody knows he's Brian's a big guy. He's bigger than Mark's not. I mean, he's not a small human being. So I'm assuming your pain tolerance is extremely high, and you're a marine to boot. So anyway, (laughs) go ahead. So. We ended up getting the, the bag of pills, and I would go home to my room in my recliner where I didn't sit often, uh, but that would become my new home. Two days go by, and the pain is still immense, and I wasn't getting any better, and I was dropping weight like nobody's business. It, it was just sh- shedding off of me. And uh, I, I told my wife, I said, we, we, we got to go back. So the second time that we were at the ER, the front steps of that ER, I get wheeled in in a wheelchair. I can't even walk. And uh, I was in so much pain while we were waiting in there. This time it wasn't a fast triage turnaround. I, I was, uh, we had been waiting already an hour. I fell out of that wheelchair because I was in so much pain. and had a panic attack on the ER floor. And that's when the... Uh, the other triage team came out and they gave me a shot of Dilaudid, two, uh, two of them, a double shot of Dilaudid, one on my left cheek, one on my right cheek, and um, yelled at my wife for bringing me back here because they said I needed to follow up with my primary care physician. We couldn't get through to my primary care physician. Me, I'm completely incapacitated, and so here is my wife over the last two or three days trying to get me into my primary care. Well, that didn't happen. So my wife said, my husband's dying can you give him a blood test or some diagnostic testing, a CT scan, an MRI, whatever? Can we find out what's wrong with my husband? They said, he's fine. He has a low back sprain. You need to follow up with your primary care and take the prescribed pain, uh, pain meds and gabapentin and all the nerve stuff and all the pain stuff, and, and he'll be fine in a couple of weeks. Then a few days later, we're right back there again. Delayed and denied care. 
that that's all we received. And, and look, I'm not anti-VA. The VA is not all bad, okay? But, you know, at the time, I just happened to be one of those veterans that ended up slipping through the cracks. And how did it happen? I don't know. Maybe it was because they were overrun with patients. Maybe uh, they were un understaffed. Uh, but when you go into an emergency room and you are posing every, every red flag of needing uh, critical emergency care, you know, I figured we were doing everything right and that they, and that they were treating us for why I was there. Uh, but ultimately, that would not end up being the case. So on your third visit, still no scans, no blood work? Nothing. Uh, we had a denied blood test, denied MRI. Doctor did that? I never saw a doctor. The only time I ever saw a doctor was when I was laying open four months later on an operating table in Scripps Hospital in San Diego. Huh. Who are you seeing? All I was seeing was... Like PAs or nurses? Right. Was no, administrative staff. Nurse clinicians. So just registered nurses, um, you, you know, so, so all of these, not only misdiagnoses, but a bunch of, uh, you know, just wrong information. And again, a simple blood test could have really... How are you getting all them drugs without ever seeing a doctor? I never saw an MD. All right. Yeah, all, right. all those drugs, I mean... I think, I, I think what they do out. is this, is that you have the clinicians, you have the registered nurses that are filling out the reports, and then it probably goes to a doctor for a signature, and then they, you know, they verify, oh, yeah, so it's a low back sprain, it's this and that, and that's how I think a lot of these prescriptions are sent out you know, and, and, you know, and signed for. So third visit, not, no scans, no blood work. Nope. How, keep going. And then that's where I went to my chair, and I began to, to die a slow death. Uh, I, I couldn't use the restroom. I couldn't walk. When I did pee, um, I had a bucket by my side. I would slide out of my chair and I would straddle the chair and I put the bucket up underneath me and I would drip into the bucket. 45 minutes to an hour later, I would be completely relieved and I, I'd pull myself back up into my chair and that's where I would spend 24 hours a day. My wife would come in every four to six hours with a handful of pills. That would be my, uh, you know, my cocktail to get me through to the next four to six hours. I wasn't eating. I wasn't really just in, in the mood for, uh, for anything except for sitting in my chair and living in a completely dazed and confused state, incapacitated, just wondering what in the hell has just hit me. And still going off of lower back spring yeah yeah and, and and my body is completely atrophy now um and you know and like i said the weight's coming off and here i was in this critical state of needing emergency care but now i was so absolutely inundated with drugs that made me just say who cares right you're just sitting in a chair and you're, again, you, you don't really even know what's going on because you're in so much pain and you're so doped up. And here's the family, the children and the wife are, are, are running around trying, uh, trying to figure out what, what happened to dad. Um, what are the doctors saying? We got to take him back. So three weeks later, we're now in February. My wife says, screw it. I'm going to get him an appointment to go to a private imaging center, which was hard because... She had to find somebody that would write a script for me to, to do an MRI in Temecula. I got wheeled in there, still couldn't walk. I had the neighbors carry me down my stairs. 
um, and we get in there and the MRI says that I have all this structural damage to my spine and that I need surgery. And at that time, we were confused. What is going on? Why, why is all of a sudden my spine completely looking destroyed on an MRI? And so we took that information back to the VA and said, see, there was a problem. Um, the same VA, right? Yeah. It went straight to the neurosurgeon and, and to, and to ortho. And they looked at it and they said, okay, we can get you in, but we have about a nine to 10 month waiting uh, uh, period. So we're going to schedule your surgery for December 12th, of 2016. I, I believe it was around December 12th. And um, my, my wife immediately started to break down into tears. She goes, we can't wait that long. He's literally dying in his chair, and we have an MRI now that says that he needs surgery. And so this is when President Trump had first said, uh, had first passed the Veterans Choice in Enrollment. So my wife advocated to no end to the VA Loma Linda to say, my husband needs to go out in town. If, if you can't get him his surgery for nine months, I'm afraid to see what he's going to look like nine months down the road when we're you know in our first 30 days of this. And it looks like he's pretty much a dead man walking or a dead man rolling as I couldn't even walk. And if I did walk, I was completely supported by a walker. But I was braille. I mean, you know, I was getting thin and, you know, I was getting thinner by the minute. How are you even going to recover from that surgery? It, anyways, like if you go in so beat down and almost dead surgery like that, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's something that, you know, you, you know, can't get a, a lot of your movement back and, you know, the, you know, your strength and your mobility. You know, I was a custom landscape contractor. And so when know, I saw those scans, what did the doctors say that it was initially? They said, well, all, all the jargon, it was, uh, you know, herniated discs and all just all sorts of tears annual tears and all this um you know doctor terminology but it was enough to you know to, uh, to raise several red flags still no blood test no no other you know way they didn't detect the infection in the mri can't so uh, so anyways this all gets sent there uh the va says okay we are going to to send you out out for uh, a veteran's choice enrollment. So we went out and we saw the doctor out in town, a civilian, and he said, okay, we're gonna do your surgery on April 30th. You know, and it's February right now. And we're like, well, that's better than- December. December. So we went and uh, we did a workup with that doctor. Still no blood tests have ever been taken here. Um, and, you know, again, we thought we were doing everything right. We thought, okay, I hurt my back somehow, and now we need to have surgery. Boom. Four months down the road. Okay, and, you know, like, and I spent these months all in my chair. Four straight months is what it would ultimately end up being. Four months in a chair where I was slowly slipping away, 
deteriorating and was a I, at, at that point I became a, an absolute broken broken man um, from my spirit to to who I was as a man you know as a you know as a husband as a father as, as an entrepreneur um, you know as a coach all that I, I it was all slipping away from me as the anxiety and the depression further mounted four months with not working started to think am i going to lose my business am i going to lose my home my my wife was doing so much work behind the scenes to keep the family afloat to, to do everything that she could do to stave off financial ruin credit cards start you know started to get you know uh, stacked up and um you know ultimately we had the surgery in Scripps. I was opened up by the physician there. And as I laid open on the table, they found a surprise. And the surprise was my spine was oozing with inflammation. And the doctor, the surgeon, uh, told my wife, and I, and I quote, your husband's spine looks like it has been moth-eaten. Uh, at that time, he stopped the surgery for, for a few minutes, and he called in the, the Scripps hospital uh infectious disease doctor where he came in and said okay um i don't know what it is so we're going to test him for everything bone cancer you name it, it everything under the sun so they started cutting out everything replacing some discs here putting in the hardware uh, and a lot of the stuff was disconnected if you will bladder is jacked up um you know my That's the swelling right no, no, it's uh, your your L4, L5. Uh, a lot of that, uh, the nerves were cut and damaged or eaten, uh, so it makes it difficult to to go to the bathroom or to have, you know, you know, children, um, if you will. Um, so a lot of that stuff just doesn't even really work anymore. Um, and, and then it also damaged, you know, how you take a you know a normal you know bowel bowel movement you know you know stuff like that but once they saw this they were concerned because they hadn't seen uh you know uh, nothing like it before so after the surgery i'm getting wheeled around and they're and they're testing me like i said for uh, for everything i would end up spending about seven days in the hospital and i came home and i, I was still in so much pain uh, they went through my belly they went through my back um, i was still in a catheter um, you know, cause I couldn't use the restroom and, um, you, and you know, got full benefits, man. <laughs> and, and so I was sitting in my chair and this is when the depression and the anxiety began to compound like interest. And I stayed in my chair for a year and then another year would come. So from, and, so April was the surgery. Mm -hmm. And then, so the following April, you, still nothing. You still got a catheter? Uh, I, I still do half the cath, um, unless I'm out in town and no, no, then no, I no. have to go to the from, bathroom. And just Back kinda... then, walk the, walk it backwards. So you still yeah. capped up for yep. from April 16 to April 18? Yeah. Um. I spent two years in that chair um, from January 16 to 2018. In 2017, we filed a federal tort claim. 
um, for the malpractice that happened within within the VA. So we put together a, a, a federal tort claim through a lot of folks who reached out to me and said, I, I can't believe what has happened to you. I can't believe that they didn't give you the, uh, you know, the type of treatment um, that not only do you deserve, but the humane way uh, of going about things when you are in a VAER dying. So that first surgery where they opened you up and found the infection, nothing else was done to you to try to course correct any of it? All of that, what happened was all permanent, permanent injuries uh, that was suffered in my spine. What they, what did they end up saying the infection yeah, was? Yeah, well, how, how did you get that? They don't know. That was their answer? Yeah, they don't know how I got the infection. There, I didn't have a cut on me. I didn't have a wound anywhere. Um, the infectious disease doctor, I've actually talked to several of them now from across the world, actually. Um, and they, they think that perhaps I ingested something, could have been overseas one day. Um, they said it could have even been 10 years ago. And it attached to my spine. This infection attached to my spine and it lived in a dormant state. And then one day it woke up and the day it woke up, it woke up in a very aggressive way. That's pissed off. And it began to eat. So it's hungry. Essentially, I was being eaten alive for four straight months before I had life saving. It would end up being life saving surgery. Oh, good job, Marine. You're definitely not a pussy. That's pretty <laughs> hardcore, dude. What's what's the name of that? They still don't still didn't they named that yet? No. The infection? I mean, it was a, it was a bone-eating staph infection. It, it's a really long, you know, I say staph, but the, the, oh, yeah, I got the medical yeah, term is staph. Yeah, so it's long. And, yeah, so. So how did you, so for, in 2018, you're still in the chair. What would what, you do? I lived in my chair and to get I, out of pain. I mean, what I, I I was taking nearly forty pills a day for years. Um, Seems a bit excessive. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, the VA they were sending me bottles. I'm talking like, like as big as big as, as that cup. damn cup right there. Oh, oh yeah. They'll show up, and, and most yeah. of those you have to take just so you don't go through withdrawals. Well, the day that my wife opened up a box of Narcan. She just started to shake and she just started to cry. We found out years, years later that I was taking some very high-end anxiety med uh, medicine with my opioids. And that right there could put you into cardiac arrest at any time. So once they figured that out two years later is when they started sending me a bunch of Narcan. When the Narcan was sent is when my wife said, okay, we're done here. Is it, are you taking your pain pills? Or are you taking your, uh, your anxiety pills? Yeah. And, that, and that was another blow to my heart. I was like, man, I, I can't live without either of them. You know, so, so, so here I was li literally a broken man, my livelihood, my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health. And I was a very happy, outgoing, energetic man before all this stuff happened. I was doing everything the right way. I was living the American dream. I was a contributor to society. I paid my taxes. I, I did everything that we're asked to do as a citizen of the United States of America. And here I was now, completely, completely, my family and I have been completely thrown to the wolves. I'm barely holding on to the last little bit of livelihood that I have left. I've completely lost who I was as a person. 
And finally, I said, okay, we have got to file a tort claim so we don't lose everything that we've ever worked so hard for my entire life. So what did I do? Uh, I had some, uh, some help. We put together a tort claim. We sent it off to the VA. Six months later, I get a call from the VA Office of General Counsel. What do they say to me? Mr. Talley, we are very, very, very sorry that this happened to you. They were apologetic. The VA has concluded that we failed to meet the standard of care. And there is a breach in liability. And we are settling your claim. Be patient. Be patient. This takes time. Hmm. At the one-year mark. So now... Me and my wife are like, oh my God, they're, it's going to happen. They're going to, you know, we're not going to lose our home and our family vehicle that we've already lost. And my business and, and my tools and all that. Six months later after that, at the one year mark, I receive a bombshell on the mail. It stated that the VA is no longer responsible for the neglect and the malpractice that happened due to a law that was written in 1946 in the Federal Tort Claims Act that states that if an independent, if we find an, that the doctor who, who hurts you is an independent contractor that is working within the halls and the walls of the VA and not a U.S. government employee, we are not responsible. So what they did... Who said that? This is Na the office. Name, name and picture now, of whoever see, that I, was. <laughs> see, and this is why I was very successful in what I did. I've never slandered. I have never name dropped. I've never, I have only operated in an honorable way because I was not looking to put any uh, bad, bad stuff on my name, on my reputation and, and who I was as a person. Even if it were to kill me, I was just not that type of man. I would never go out and I would never, uh, you know, dishonorably yell someone's name because look i we all make mistakes we all make mistakes and people do bad things and sometimes they do those bad things on purpose but i could not live with myself living the honorable way that i've always lived my entire life to go out and say well you hurt me now i'm going to come back out and hurt you because now my case is public so i had to remain completely just professional and I had to operate in a different way than I was being treated and I think that ultimately was the reason why I was successful in the next endeavor that we're getting ready to talk about here um, but the bombshell the letter the VA reversed course they did an about face and they left me and my family holding the bag now that's when I went back to my chair. That, that was a bad night. That was a night I didn't even want to live anymore. And, and the funny thing is, or it's not funny. I love my children more than anything in this world. I have a relationship with my children and my wife unlike any other couple. We do everything for each other. We're always together. We build each other up. We, we are a rock. We are a solid foundation. And nothing has ever come in between that ever. And me being sick, it, it, it didn't matter. My, my wife's always been there. She, she's the glue that holds everything together as I've always been there for them and my, and my children. And for me to even think like that, it, it, it hurts my heart to this day. 
I was in so much pain. Their father, their their father had been so beaten up and, and, and abused by the system, by a bureaucratic system from a law from 1946 that they deny and they deflect all liability away from the VA. And they put it on the backs of these unidentified independent contractors who are running the halls of our nation's VA hospitals and clinics. And you don't know who they are. VA badges, VA doctor's coats, VA laptops, seeing VA patients. Why would anybody ever think that they're independent contractors? Why, why would that question ever come up? I never knew that. Okay. Now, they're not all independent contractors because the VA has cleverly, cleverly packaged this to be very convenient for them and to be very profitable for the Office of General Counsel. Here's what they do. I had about nine clinicians that failed to meet the standard of care in my case. One of them was an unidentified independent contractor. The VA cherry-picked the clinicians based off of only the employment status and found her to be guilty of everything that happened. So the other eight were not guilty, and she was the guilty party. Well, the letter stated, you need to sue her in state court, Brian. Well, you remember I got that letter at the one-year mark. It was postmarked three days after my California state statute of limitations had expired. So now what the VA has done is they've completely destroyed and removed my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health, my livelihood, and has now de de denied my right to due process, not only in federal court, but now state court. And not one attorney would, uh, would take my case. That law from 1946 is bulletproof. There's been thousands, tens of thousands of veterans who have been absolutely destroyed. Their lives and their families and their livelihoods absolutely destroyed by this egregious practice. When the law, when the law in 1946 was first written, I can understand why it was written. That's some World War II stuff. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of independent contractors working within the VA. They were all employees. So they had a little clause in there. But over these generations, they started to decrease the amount of employees and increase the independent contractors only for their accountability and transparency purposes to know they do that in an effort to see, see their way out of these malpractice cases. And they put it all on the backs of these independent contractors. So that's where this whole entire story for me begins. And people say, what's the crazier thing, surviving a bone-eating staph infection for four months that you should have died within the first 10 days? Or what you were getting ready to do in your most weakest and vulnerable time in your life? So I'm sure they strategically mailed you that letter three days after the statute of limitations was out. Well, it certainly seemed that way, and uh, everybody I talked to says, yep.
that was done on purpose. And at that first time that they called me to, to, to tell me that we, we failed to meet the standard of care and, and, we're, and we're settling your claim and to be patient, that whole be patient part was, okay, cool, whew. You know, we uh, we have a sigh of relief. We can, you know, I could start focusing on my health, even though I still spent that next six months in my chair. I, I wasn't, you know, completely like, okay, well, we got to sell our house. We we got to move. We got to do something to stave off this complete financial ruin uh, that we were heading into. And also, it was for us not to pick up the phone to call an attorney because because they say, oh yeah, we're good. We're handling it. Where did you push the letter and? Where did this go? Okay, so I took a week, and I w- was in a very, very, very bad place. I had been in a bad place now for, for over two years, you know. And so I went to my congressman. Who's that? Duncan Hunter. He's the only man's name that I've ever me- um, mentioned, not only in my book, but in the public eye, because he was my congressman. And um, con- Congressman Duncan Hunter became immediately engaged. He wrote about five letters uh, calling out the, the bureaucracy um, and, and calling out this criminal and fraudulent tactic that the Office of General Counsel had used against me and my family. Very, very quickly after his engagement, he's making national news headlines because he's now been indicted on federal charges for screwing up in Congress. So... Congress lost all confidence in Duncan Hunter, and he was forced out of Congress. So now here I was, biggest case in the country, biggest VA case in the country. I am now left with no voice in Washington. I was the only, I lived in the only district of the United States of America that didn't have a sitting member of Congress in my weakest, most vulnerable time in need. I didn't have a voice. I, I, I've been railroaded here. And, 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 and like talk about self-isolation and not talking to anybody and just turning away all your old friends and all your, and just like just sitting in a chair and saying, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. There, there is no way I, I, I can do anything else. I'm tired. I am broken. Just broken. Broken spirited, uh, broken everything. And this would go on for several months. And one day my wife comes into my room. I'm just crying. This is what I did. I was just sit in my chair and cry, take my pills and cry. Um, and I, and when she came in, I said, I cannot believe that they, that they can do this to people. I I can't believe it. So I, 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 she left and another week went by and I, I went, I went to my bathtub and I knelt over that sucker and I filled it up with tears. And I said, God, I'm about to do something right now that I'm going to be a f- very fearful of and very afraid of and uh, exposing made men. But I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to guide me. I'm going to need you, every, every little bit of you to come in to me to give me the strength and the endurance and the stamina to, to and the knowledge to, to draft my own bill to draft my own solution and to send it to all these members of Congress. So I recruited an online legislative team from my chair in a very broken, 
broken time of my life on my cell phone. I started to look at the law books. I began to put um, pencil to paper, and I had drawn out and drafted my own bill that I called the Tally Bill, the Brian Tally VA Employment Transparency Act. And I emailed it to 300 members of Congress. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I didn't get anything back. So I went to my wife, and I said, I'm going to D.C. No, no, you're not. You can barely walk. I said, I'm going to D.C. I'm going to deliver this bill. I cannot live with myself knowing that if I don't do anything about this, there's going to be more families, and there's going to be more wives and whoever loves that veteran all this heartache for 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 no good reason at all so against perhaps my better judgment packed my bag went out and i got a couple of uh, shirts and uh some some dress slacks i made some professional folders and i boarded a red-eye flight out of san diego in the middle of the night and i landed in dc at six in the morning By 8 o'clock, I was walking those halls of Congress, going door-to-door, urging lawmakers to change this outdated law that has destroyed the lives of veterans and their families for generations. And by God, within 30 days, I had my first formal bill introduced in in Congress, in the 115th Congress. Who led it? Congressman Dave Bratt out of Virginia, 7th District. That was everything I needed right there to... That was the point where I said, I am going to start to get 1% better every single day. 1% better. I'm going to try. Now it's been over three years. I am going to try to reinvent myself, recreate myself, and stand back up to be the man that I once was. And it would have to come in a vehicle that I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about how Congress worked. I knew nothing about how lobbying worked. I knew nothing how bills worked. All I knew is that I had purpose and I had a plan. And I began to do a BAMSIS. Begin plan, arrange plan, make plan, complete plan, issue orders and supervise. And that's exactly what got me through these next two years as I went into the very swampy, shark-infested waters. We call it the sewer around here. Of D.C. We got can. From Louisiana. So let me ask you this. You, how did you get better? Because I, you still hadn't told us how you were laying in the chair and then did they give you medications? I mean, you were already an addict. So just like coming off the meds, coming off the meds, not being an well, addict. No, I was still, you? Uh, you know, you know I, I, I was completely still on, on the meds. Um, I was walking a little bit better and, you know, definitely could get by. Walking every stride is painful. Every, every stride, you got an ice pick in your left and right buttocks. Every stride, you got that neuropathy going through your neck and shooting down your, you know, your arms and your shoulders and all that stuff. I filled my pockets full up with pain pills and anxiety meds. And I walked those halls of Congress. No pain, no nothing was going to keep me down. My best friend, John, from Houston, he flew out there. He brought a chair. He had a chair on his back. So when I needed to sit down, I took a lot of breaks. I sat down on that chair. I would try to clear my thoughts and, and, and clear my head. I, I still couldn't even barely speak because I was still on a lot of pills. So my, um, uh, you know, I, I had, 
still today I have some cognitive type issues from all the meds and stuff that I was on. Um, and that's what I did. Um, I, I, I'm here today cause this is team never quit. And I began to show these signs of resilience and perseverance again in, in a, in a place that I, 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 I knew nothing about. And, and so again, yeah, the fear was there, but in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to engage in this. I'm not going to engage in this to waste my time. I don't have, I don't, I, I don't have the energy or the strength or anything like this to put something on my, you know, to, to, to hurt my body even more. This job didn't come with a paycheck. Me drafting a bill was for the good of the country to close the 74 year VA legal loophole, to do the job of Congress, to do the job of the very people that have sworn to protect us. Somebody had to do it. So I, I accepted that role. I took that role on and, 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 and I ran with it. Um, and one trip would end up being two trips, three trips, four trips, five trips. Were they calling you back up or you just continue to lobby? I continued to lobby until my bill was across the finish line. From start to finish, the first day you landed in, um, Congressman, what was the last name? Blake? Virginia. Brat. Brat. Till signature, because it, I'm assuming it, did President Trump signed it into law, correct? correct? Yeah. Jan January 5th of 2021. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Uh, well, it was a great day. It was a day that I shed a lot of tears, uh, and I looked back on the last, at, at the time, five, five, five and a half years of my life and everything that me and my family have went through and had been through and uh, never, and, and kept the relationships and, and the love that we have for each other all intact. This was uh, a man that was getting up finally out of his chair and began to, uh, like, like I said, get 1% better and to show those signs of perseverance and to show those signs of resilience and the pure strength through determination and that never quit mentality is what kept me going. And when that all happened, I, I was relieved. It was a, it, it was a, a, a sense of overwhelming pride. Um, and it was, something that I can always be proud of. You know, I, I lost my business that I loved and I, I always thought that that would be my legacy. I, I can operate equipment and I can build some really pretty stuff, some beautiful landscapes and my children will, will be so proud of their dad for, you know, giving them the life that they've always wanted to live through uh, the, uh, you know, pure hard work, uh, you know, of everything that I've done in my life and all of the, um, uh, things I have given to them and, uh, you know, and, you know, and now I have this legacy of, Hey, I, I went in there. I became my own member of Congress, just didn't come with a paycheck because somebody needed to, re to represent my district. And so I said, I'm going to create my own voice and, um, to go in there and 
to have all these bills in my name, you know, introduced. I mean, I I went into the most divided Congress in the in in, in the in, in the history of our nation, the most divided Congress that we have ever seen in our country. And I was able to sit down with folks like Mark Meadows and Senator Blumenthal and have those folks come together, folks like Mike Levin. Rashida Tlaib signed on to my bill. I sent it to everybody because I was representing 20.2 million American veterans, not just Marine veterans or Navy veterans or um, only female veterans. No, this bill protects 20.2 million American veterans. And this bill puts transparency and accountability back into the VA. So when you look at a Democrat or a liberal or a, a Republican and a conservative or the independents, the, the grassroots, it, 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 it doesn't matter. Every, every single person that has ever fought for our country, they all have different b beliefs. So when I went in there, I killed them all with kindness. And I said, look, I'm here on behalf of 20.2 million American veterans. I need you and I need you to come together. I had to play the adult in the room a lot of the times. Guys, we need to get this done. I'm exhausted. I am absolutely exhausted and I can't move on with my life until we get this job done. And I, I think I've earned a break. And so that, uh, that's how I began to effectively communicate. I began to teach myself the ways of how to communicate with these folks, how to get in there and influence them enough to make a change, to make a positive change. How do I go in there and, and influence these guys in a professional way? I'll tell you how, because I, I was hard to hate. I made myself hard to hate. I bugged them a lot, but I was very kind. I was professional. I didn't have to go out and cause a ruckus. I didn't want to name drop slander and everything like we were talking about earlier because it wasn't about me. It was about passing a law. And sometimes when you have to, when you have to pass a law to protect veterans or anybody who that may be, you've got to go in there and you've got to work with people. You can't go in there and grandstand. You can't go in there and grandstand and say, ha, ha, yeah, 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 look at me. I'm going to change this law. But you know everything that you're doing in that bill is not going to be kosher with the other side. And it's all political grandstanding. And I saw a lot of that when I was in D.C. too. I was like, okay, I, I, I can't act like that guy because I'll never get this bill across the, fin uh, you know, across the finish line. I, I had to sit down and earn my seat at that table with made men and made women. And once I earned my seat at that table, I never gave up my seat until my mission was complete. And I saw it all the way through to the end. And as my bills became more and more and more, like I said, we got the four bills, that, 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 that recreation and that reinvention of who I am and who I will become started to grow more and more and more. And that's when I began to say, okay, I'm going to be living in pain for the rest of my life. I'm going to have dozens of more surgeries. I'm going to have to do a lot of things to my body that most 80-year-olds have to do, you know, and I'm in my 40s. But that's who I've become. That's what God ha has led me to be and to do. So instead of sitting in a chair and being angry and being broken and beat up and battered and abused 
I knew my kids were watching. And I said, if I die today, what will my kids think of me? Well, my dad used to be really badass. And then he got hurt. And then, or they could say, my dad used to be really badass. And he got hurt really bad. And then he went out and he made a positive change and still continues to make a positive change to ensure the rights and protections of all veterans. And you know, the cool thing about this is that we live in 2022 where everybody is now all like, everybody has something to say, right? Social media, everybody is very passionate about things. We, we live in a very passionate country. And so advocacy is very, is booming right now. And I at least put a blueprint out there for folks for any group, no, no matter what you're passionate about, that you can engage Congress in today's world and make a difference. You can engage and uh, you know uh, go in there and, and, and be heard and and do it all in a, you know in a positive way without burning cities down and flipping cars over and stuff like that to try to get your point across. It's hard to do. To do what I did is is damn hard, and it took a lot of, um, you know, like I said, endurance. And but you just can't really make up the the play of how all this stuff has unfolded. I look back at it now. I look at pictures of myself, and I'm like, oh my god, I was so I, I was done here. I was so broken. And I look at pictures of myself now, and I'm like, I like what I see here. You know, like I know I'm on the right path. I, I I know I'm where God wants me to be right now. And, you know, to this day, I still continue to help veterans, you know, with all the stories that have been done on me over the last six and a half years. I, I've become a, you know, voice for the voiceless. And I listen to them and they call me and I call them back and we text and we email. And I, I, I was just uh, talking to a, you know, a Vietnam veteran I, I met a couple months ago who, you know, I'm helping get his VA benefits, not because I'm some attorney, just because I'm his friend. You know, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I'm not none of this. I don't have a 501c3. I care enough about my fellow veterans that if, you know, a lot of these guys have questions about stuff, I'm going to answer their question and I'm going to refer them off to the best people that I know that can handle their situations. Because a lot of these guys aren't getting the help they need. And a lot of these guys are in a runaround to where they're waiting an hour to get to their, you know, to get through the VA line or their doctor can't see them for six months, you know, or, or whatever it may be. So I was, I'm, I'm kind of like playing that, that, that role right now of, you know, just continue to help others, you know? You ended up passing, so, so from start to finish, how many bills have you passed thus far? Well, well the one... I'm sorry, was, let me walk that back. Yeah. I, I said didn't say that correctly. How many, bill, how many bills have you drafted that have been passed into law? 
it was all into one. All okay, just the tally yeah. bill. Yeah, and then you know, one of these days, like you know, I have a friend that's running for Congress, and I hope he gets elected because if he does get elected, I'll be able to uh, do a draft proposal on the next version of the tally bill that will be part two on completely closing this legal loophole. The, the way the law stands right now, hey Brian, what did you do? Okay. Prior to January of 2016, me getting hurt, the law states 1946, independent contractors and VA and, and, and U.S. government employees. If you're a U.S. government employee, we got you. If not, you got to sue in state court. But again, they hold on to that state statute of limitations. As soon as your time expires, they, they uh, send you that letter. Now, that doctor's not even in trouble, and they pay out nothing, and they wipe their hands of it. It's done. Now the law is this. They can no longer sit installing your claim. The VA has 30 days now to come clean on who, on who treated you and what their employment status is. So now more attorneys are going to be taking cases because now they know if this is an independent contractor, we can go directly after them in the state they're in. And we will have the accountability and transparency of that because that's what the law does. It's very simple, the employment status. But if you think about it, that was the loophole here. Sure. That was how they were to effectively profit big money off of not paying out all these rightful claims to veterans once they've been injured due to no fault of their own. So it's a horrifying and very disheartening loophole that one's government would completely stack the deck against the most one of the most vulnerable groups of people in our country and you know that leads to a lot of other things too like veteran suicide sure uh, you know rates and you know you know a lot of the folks that are you know dying you know from you know the 22 estimated a day you know a, a, a lot of those aren't a direct result perhaps of the wounds of war. It, it, a, a lot of it is coming home and, you know, getting put on a lot of type medicines and then having things like my story happen and just kind of lose who you are. And then boom, you get, you know, uh, involved in drugs and alcohol, you end up on the streets or you end up in jail, whatever it may be, you know? So there's a lot of different paths that a lot oh, of people yeah. take. It doesn't happen overnight either. It's a progression. I mean, that's one thing about veterans is we're taught as military, you don't argue back, talk back, whatever they tell you is like, Roger that. Yeah. I mean, it isn't looked at as a military installation. And we were in, you didn't have any problem getting a medical dental uh, or dental. Your ass went in there and got out mm -hmm. period. It, it's almost as if in the VA, they there's, there's three components. There's the civilian side, the doctor side, right? Mm -hmm. And the military side, and then the patient. And they put the, the, the bureaucrat in front of the, front of the doctor. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is a shame that the VA is you know, about, so, yeah, well, yeah. so broken when... It's like, almost like, man, you just ask these to just walk in there, whatever's wrong with you, we got you. <laughs> and then yeah. you walk out, and then we'll, they'll worry about the bill. Mm -hmm. that, that's how it was in the military. I don't... I, you know, and those loopholes, it's funny. I mean, you, you got to hand it to them crafty seven guns for finding them. I, I'll hand them that, man, to make, to make something out of that uh, and to hold it. And it's just about, you know, we got our generation coming in. So take a look at the books, man, and bring everything up to speed and how we how we roll, not how it used to roll. Yeah. Because tech's know. involved now. Like you, There's so many components to our medical system that they, they can make it so swift. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is when it runs into old school stuff. Mm -hmm. They're not 
you can't plug that one adapter into the other plug. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. I to I totally get that. You know, like the main thing here was just that there's so many outdated laws on our books. Yeah, right. You know, and we live in a country too where there's laws on the books that people don't know anything about. Oh, right. You know, more than so you like, can even imagine. Yeah. So like right now, you know, we've got <laughs> veterans out there that probably don't even know that this law even exists. Right. Yeah. That are still getting backdoored um, by this loophole. Um, and so that's why I'm out. I'm out, you know, raising awareness that once medical malpractice happens, you know, is y- you will have the rights and the protections that you earn and deserve. You know, a- again, this is humanity here. I mean, this is, I mean, doing the right thing for right. people. Uh, this is not acting in a criminal and fraudulent manner to your to your own advantage off the back of a man that you've already broken me- mentally emotionally and physically um and you know and I look back at this and I say it doesn't it didn't matter how hard I worked I, I got over 11,000 hours of advocacy hours in this 11,000 over 5,000 emails and phone calls that I did for my phone and my chair and when I got out of that chair it was for because I'm doing this and I'm coming back and I'm sitting right back in my chair. I, that was my comfort zone for a very, 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 very long time. And, um, you know, and it, and it was hard and I had to, I had to push myself to, to limits that I, I've never pushed myself before in, in my entire life and talk about, talk about needing strength and, and prayer, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, it's divine intervention. I, I can't believe that I was able to stay in front of Congress long enough and have four bill drafts in both the you know the Senate and the and the House, and, and again pass a law on the final day that would just completely right. That's my story on the on the final day on January fifth, because we all know what happened on January sixth, and there was no more business done after that. Yeah. Um, so a gift winner. I'm sorry. It's a little gift for you right there. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, wow. Because all the other times it's kept getting kicked out. Every time you deliver it to a messenger, it get rolled out. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm not going to the 100. Check it out, man. You got to think about it like this: when the boss sets a plan in motion, we don't always know what it is, and so you had to go through all that into Congress and get those bills passed. Just a normal person trying to do that's difficult. But so they stuck your ass in the most debilitating, most painful situation that you can be in, strap your ass to a chair, which is now a throne, by the way, right? After everything that you've been through, and you still got it done. My point with that is, is like to watch somebody suffer, like great suffering, because you don't come out battle weak and you come out battle hardened, right? To go through all of that, then have the wherewithal to keep pushing yourself, hold your family together, raise those kids, get up there, stand at, a, at, a, at enough attention to, work, to be coherent, to talk to our lawmakers, because you're all right. They're, if they're elected up there, then they're part of our people, man. You got to go talk to them, and you talk to them with respect. Mm-hmm. You don't go in there telling them what you want. This is what it's going to be. You're Correct. Like, yeah, you're kind of pointing that out. Correct. Just to have that kind of mindset. I've been mm-hmm. in that fog. It's tough, especially it when is. you get out, man. You can't. It's a lot of biting your tongue, and it's a lot of. Yeah, and you're not, not, not knowing when. And, and mm-hmm. then sometimes you'll try to say, I get that. I remember them days. I got my chair upstairs too. So good yeah. on you. I mean, that's that's good that you bring that up because a lot of people say, "How did how did you do this?" Like you don't you didn't go to college, you you don't have any training in lobbying, you don't have any training with the media. How were you able to go do Capitol Hill Rotunda um, interviews with the media without like being nervous? And because I was a man on a mission, 
I don't know who jumped into Brian Talley's body when all this stuff was going down because, like, I got strength from places. It, it must have been a whole nation Holy Spirit, Spirit man. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I just, you know, I look back at it now and I'm like, I, I, I still cannot believe what we accomplished. I, I, it, 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 it is one of those stories that you really can't make up. And it's a very, it's a very unique story, a very rare story. Um, you know, and it's a story again of why I have tagged you in my post now for well over four years um, on Facebook on things that I did. You know, I held myself accountable every single day when I uh, when I uh, when I was on this mission. I, I created a Facebook page called the Tally Bill, and every single day I would put my minutes on there, who I met with, who I called, how long it was for motivational pictures, never quit pictures, how to advocate, how, how to just have a simple conversation. And again, how did you do it, Brian? How did you sit down not having this, this training, this formal training in, in advocacy and lobbying? Well, look, I'm a human being and I'm an outgoing man by trade. And so I could talk to anybody. And that's all it's about is a relationship. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. If if we could have if we could sit down and have a simple conversation and build a relationship here and say, hey, look, this is something that we need to do, and this is something that you guys have been trying to do for a, a very long time. Hey, look, I'm coming in here. There's no budget with me. I'm free. <laughs> you know, so use this solution and 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 use this draft and and run it by your professional, uh, you know, uh, uh, st uh, staffers and attorneys, and you know, and see what happens. And that was what we did. And I had to stay in front of these people through the Sol uh, the, uh, the Soleimani, um, you know, uh, killing and uh, House and Senate impeachments and riots and, you know, all the stuff that was going on in our country. I still had to stay in front of the media and still remain relevant because I didn't want them to forget about me. Hey, guys, woo -woo, hey, I got all these bills here and we got to get them passed, you know? And, and so finally... On that, on that, uh, it, it was a day in November of 2020 is when my bill finally passed the Senate after I went and got a Senate companion bill. And it was, uh, uh, like I said, January 5th of 2021 is when the tally bill was signed into law. Um, and I think you were, were you there? Hmm. No, okay. So I know that you've been there a few times, mm -hmm. um, you know, but it's my yeah. older, more distinguished brother. Proud of him. He's the man. He is. Yeah, working hey, on it. I, you're living out. Uh, uh, this is one of my, this is the part I've been ho holding on to. It's like, hey, you know how hard it is to keep your cool when you're stressed out in pain? <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm in pain right now. So I have just, to have neck surgery in two weeks. Just, right? just, yeah. just to get out of that recliner. It's I mean, tough. those are the up and downs. Because when you get in them, you don't, you know, it's a comfort thing. Yep. That thing kind of grinds to you, right? I, I, I remember that. But I also remember how when you're traveling, how hard it is to because there's so much going on in your head it's like cuz you have to consciously think about it cuz that stuff will blank it out mm -hmm. right and and then just the wherewithal not to 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 raise your voice oh yeah yes cuz i mean even to get your point across like no i said no mustard or mayo on my you know it's just like the little things are right. what kind of does you in it's not the big ones yes. that you would think about so just that the, <laughs> that that kind of collective if if your capabilities in in doing that are are amazing my hats off to you for your I mean, I think you, it's a true testament to pay, you, patience. You, you are exactly right. And see, that's why a lot of veterans have problems right now in the VA, you know, system because that bearing, right? Like yeah. you said what? 
And, yeah, you know, and, and it's and not on purpose either. They can't yeah, help it. Yeah, that's <laughs> just, you know, they're warfighters, right? Oh. And and so once you kind of raise your voice or whatever, you get red flagged. Hey, yeah, that guy's done. We're done. And I didn't want that to ever happen. And that's why I had to, again, kill them with kindness and make me hard to hate. By doing so, remain 100% professional, respectful, a man on a mission. And I did not stop until we had law. I, I, I would not stop until that bill successfully and effectively crossed the finish line. And, you know, I mean, we could sit here for days on end just talking about, you know, my face would be swollen, my eyes would be swollen shut, the pain in my neck and all three levels of my spine, the cath in myself because I can't, you know, use the restroom, you know, and, uh, you know, living in the bathroom. Like my kids will say, oh, yeah, dad, uh, dad's in the bathroom because that's where I live about 10 hours of my day. Like literally, I'm always in the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom constantly. You know, and, you know, and that's all due to, you know, a lot of permanent injuries, you know, that, you know, that were thrown my way. And then to stand up through all of this, um, you know, and to, again, to reinvent myself in a way that I could add value, not only to my life, but to the life of my family and to the life of all veterans out there. Find who something served. to give him, dude. You need an award right now. <laughs> what, uh, job, so what's, so what's next? I mean, where are you at now? What? You just said you had surgery in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I what's wrote, up with that? You said yeah. So is that um, debilitating virus? That uh, the, the st- no, the staff's gone now. Staff is gone, but it so what's left you a, a, a very large trail of permanent injuries. So I need to have so my C three through my C seven. It's going to be a, a disectomy. Dude, I had that. Yeah, and then four and five are getting are full replacements. So the reason why is because I didn't have that. Once my spine went. On the lower, it, it, it was a domino effect, and they all went. So the neuropathy and you know, in my T spine and my C spine have, have all gotten so severe that it's cutting off my. So my just spinal got, cord. you said mothballing. This is like a brittle hold up. Yeah, like just holes. Yeah, yeah. So are you caged up? Uh, yeah, I've got some in the back, in the front. Um, well, they went in through my front and hey, yeah, I'm my good back. time, right? Yeah. The C-sections are fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bro. Talk about, well, yeah, and, and now they're saying, hey, you know, right, we're going to cut you that. like a pest container, and we're going to just move your throat aside. you'd be aside. totally badass. And then they're going in there, and I'm going to be like, the, the necktie I'm like, man, I got all, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting all this, uh, you know, uh, you know, these surgeries and this and that. And I mean, the amount of procedures I've had, dozens of procedures that I have to have routinely, uh, which are no fun, like ciscostopies. You don't ever Bro, want to have the, those. The way, the, when they go in through the front, the, man, that one was that one got my attention. <laughs> yeah, oh, like yeah. Because they, oh, yeah. they can keep going in the back, and you kind of get used to yeah. it a little bit, man. But that front part, that was no joke. I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to do TM, you know, too much TMI, but every uh, opening on your body, I've had scope multiple times. <laughs> continuously, you know, <laughs> yeah, get them done. Hey, you know, unfortunately, it's like, you know what? That one simple blood test, right, yeah. could have prevented all, all of this. this. Oh, shit. But, but then again, it's like I look at it, and I'm like, how much different would my life be right now if I would have never gotten in trouble? I or not in trouble, but uh, get sick. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know like this, where, man. Like where if you're I'd willing be, to just, go through, yeah. if, when you show up there now, like if you show up at my house, complain about something, I'm going to listen. Because the amount of pain that you're in and on your, just on a day-to-day yeah. grind in life, family, friend, all yeah. that, on top of this, for you to go out of your way to present something to somebody in a formal manner, it's important. Oh, yeah. not, you know, that, that's my point. It's like you're not gonna yeah. waste your time yeah. making something up that didn't need to be addressed. Yeah, no, and and that's a respect. Me getting up out of bed every day, I have a new, I have a new purpose. 
because I had lost my purpose and my identity. So I, I have a new purpose now, and my new purpose is to continue on with helping the veteran community, continuing on with the knowledge now and my experience working in Congress. Um, and I just wrote a book. I want to get my book out there. I think every veteran should read it. And, and really, anybody who uh, needs to hear some good, valuable life, real-life um, uh, messages uh, from a regular guy. I'm no war hero. I'm no movie star. I I'm nothing. I'm just a, rant, a guy who stood up one day to fight for the good of the country and, and did it. And, you know, made a name for himself in, in that, you know, in that advocacy community now where I'm considered to be a national veteran advocate. And, you know, and, and I'm there to give the voiceless a voice and to to bring about positive change in a positive way. Right. Because nothing gets done in a violent manner. You have to operate and kill them with kindness. And that is the most important thing. If any veteran can take away anything from this, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, you have to be 100 percent. You know how hard killed. that is. We're yeah, not it, that. it is hard. We're not taught kind of that part. Yeah, you know, when the hearts and mind, that wasn't uh, you know, we send oh, oh, yeah. especially Marines. Yeah. Oh no, it was very hard again. But <laughs> I mean, I was like, I I'm not going to do this to waste my time. Right. I'm doing this to make a difference, and if I screw this up because I get angry and I and, and I throw a book at them from across the room and I say, okay, we're done here. We'll get well. Guess what? Bill wouldn't have been passed. Yeah. Okay. So these folks will turn you on and turn you off sure. sooner than you. Yeah. They want so, you to get mad. So I I wanted them to turn me on and never turn me off Man. because again, once I had that seat at the table, and it was hard to earn a seat at the table. And, and I've been to Vermont Avenue too on the seventh floor, uh, in in the Office of General Counsel. I sat across the man that completely shattered my life and, and ruined my life, and. I said I can let him ruin my life and shatter my life and, and live a life of um, sadness, or I could say he didn't ruin my life. He didn't shatter my life. He tried to ruin me. He tried to break me. He did break me, but I got up, and now I live the fight another day, and now I continue to get 1% better every single day because my story is not over yet. You keeping that marine thing going? Y'all are designed to take it and freaking get back up. <laughs> yeah, it's all I can do, man. I mean, that, I, I mean, mean, that, I mean that's that fits all, the mold. Yeah. When you hear about marines, that's what the hell y'all do. You can take it and get. And not only that, be a shining example of it. Most people bitch, moan, complain, quit everything. So don't ever, man. Don't ever, you know. Don't worry, I'll brag about you. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I can do. <laughs> Man, thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. Would you tell our listeners how they can support you, uh, get the book, all your social media platforms, all that stuff? Sure. Um, so on Facebook, it's uh, The Tally Bill. Um, and then if, uh, uh, Marcus, you want to hold up the book, uh, the book is available anywhere online. I didn't choose this job. It chose me. Um, there are, Amazon's there are a good pictures. place. I read it, I read it two nights, but... Yeah. yeah it was a good read. It, it was, it was an easy... The, Quick, great read. The good thing about the book is that it's going to add value to the life of whoever picks up the book. Secondly, uh, what the book will do is it will help veterans understand the the advocacy 
life behind the scenes, how things work, how bills get introduced, what it takes to get a bill introduced on the floor of Congress, um, and how to see that bill all the way through to the finish line. Because this is stuff we learned in government. in the middle. Yeah, this is, no, 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 I wasn't, yeah, yeah, no. That stuff we picked up in high school, yeah, college, yeah. That, that doesn't exist, no, right? No, that doesn't that, exist completely anymore. completely different it, than it what is. you think is seen on TV, man. Is that oh, how yeah, it actually it, works? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and a lot of the times, it's freaky, you know? You're like, man, you know, it's, you know, you're you're in D.C. and, and, and you're, you know, in there trying to, uh, you know, pass a bill and, you know, in, into law that a lot of men have profited a lot of money off of. And, sure. and, and, and you kind of get worried, like, man, I, I don't want to upset anybody. I just want to protect all veterans yeah. from ever going through this. I, you know, shouldn't all veterans have, you know, the rights and protections of anybody else? You know, again, once you've been injured due to no fault of your own, see, that right there is the part that hurts. They, are, they already had me on my knees. And then they went for the kill shot. Yep. And that's why this bill has been so bulletproof for so long, because after that, that kill shot, nobody gets back up from that. But that one day... You did. I did. And I haven't stopped. And now I just live a life of advocacy. I'm a very, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I live a, a life full of gratitude. Um, you know, I'm happy to be alive and, you know, and, and I'm blessed and honored to, to share uh, rooms and, uh, you know, uh, platforms now with folks like you guys who are true American heroes. You too, man. You know, inspiring. Uh, uh, he is, not me. No, one of the most special days of my life over the last uh, very, very long time, when I was at Honor Cafe, and I was with my son, Brady. Great place. And, oh, yeah, I've been going there since they opened. When I moved here two years ago, I started going there, and I've never stopped. They're in Third Coast. But um, Morgan said my name in, fr in front of that crowd. I looked at my son, and he looked at me, and I'm like, this, this is a good old boy here from... Montgomery County, born and raised, Willis, he's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of friends here. And he mentions my name. And that right, because I hadn't been recognized for you know what I've done. And it's okay. But I just was so taken back and that made me feel so good. So I mean, that that little thing you did for me isn't such a very little thing for me and my family. Cause I we took that back home and and uh, and then j just sharing that moment with Brady, uh, who has had a front row seat to everything I that I've been through, and you know, and he's traumatized too. I mean, that guy spent months by me, just emptying my bucket. You know, my, and my oldest daughter, Alana, you know, my other two kids. I mean, there's just so much there that. So I wanted to to personally thank you for that because oh that, yeah buddy yeah that 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 definitely made me very proud and it kind of got goosebumps and i was like you know what i did it you know it's kind of like one of those moments like yeah i did it and 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 that part's over now but you know i i've got some energy in me still um i i still have some fire in me oh you'll have more um oh yeah we're gonna know. be we're gonna be doing are you kidding me so all that that end game for your kids going through all of that that suffering because that's that's why we're down here yeah Right, when the end game now they see that it's worth it. Like you see your pops going through something, and at the end game, you everyone realizes you weren't just doing that for yourself. You're doing it for you're taking pain for everybody else. You know, you know what that does that. to our American people when you do that? Like when they know your name and that you're willing to take pain for them, it changes everything.
Mm-hmm. Changes it, everything. You stand up and you fight yeah. for what's right. Yeah. You stand up and fight for the good of the country, for your fellow brother and for your fellow sister. And once you do that... It's like karma thing. They don't even yeah. need to know. It follows you. Like yeah. You walk in somewhere, they don't even need to know you're in the room. Just that space will open up for you. It's a... It's a God bless Once you for you start doing yeah, yeah, God man. bless you for doing Good. all that, man. Seriously. Good job. Uh, thank you. Thank Marine, you for having well me done, here. Man. I mean, yeah, you guys are great. And you know, and, and I'm I'm very grateful for the uh, for the uh relationship that we've built. And uh, I'm looking you know, forward to a second episode when yeah, we're, while I'm up there. We're still going, man, right? You're still changing. Like, hey, look, this is what, yeah, there's still a few this things. Is what Brian that we need and I to do. were navigating up here in the VA. We space. came in to help veterans. That's our you know, make that right. Yeah. Make it right. No, we I I think you're gonna do very, very, very well in Congress. Um, you know, and I guess the, the only advice is, is the, you know, just be, be you and don't change who you are. Like the mayor of Conroe said one night when, um, I was at a, uh, uh, event and, uh, he, he says, Hey, look, I want to, I'm speaking tonight on behalf of Morgan Latrell. What you see is what you get from that man. And that stuck with me too. I'm like, you know, that's true. He he he's always seemed like a very genuine, sincere, outgoing individual, uh, who's passionate, who's a family man, who's got a great marriage. Wow. That, the mayor. That, that uh, that's about ex- this dude here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the mayor said that. The mayor. I, I forget his last I'm name. Good. It's really long. I'm very ready to have an opportunity. Jody, Jody yeah, Scouse, yeah, me, yeah, mayor Jody said that. that. So yeah, you know, so that's so, so that stuck with me, and I, I, I'm not getting all you know, you know, lovey here or anything like that. But we are in a time of our lives right now where being a member of Congress is. V- right now, it, it, we are at a crossroads in our oh, country, yeah. and, and I'm scared to death. So we need, we need warriors. We need warriors in Congress, and uh, you know I do believe in term limits. I don't think uh, everyone does. Con- uh, Congress should be a. Uh, I'm talking about like everyone believes in that twenty year career. Yeah, yeah this uh-huh. should not be a uh, damn job, man. Like, and that's well, what you're saying. Like, let us in here. We'll fix this. Get this back where y'all want it, and right. then y'all can put the celebrities back in there. The people that don't do anything, fine. But yeah. Right now, but, you yeah, need to put yeah. us in here so we can fix this. 